don't know if we've specifically got a Chinese responsible drinking partner, but the official uh, responsible drinking partner of Manchester United, and if ever there was some painful Orwellian doublespeak, it was that, is Smirnoff. <laughs> Brilliant. Medium price vodka, which is the first thing that you think of when you think of medium price vodka, is official responsible drinking. Well, I, I can remember a few times when uh, you and I and some others have had some very irresponsible drinking with a bottle of Smirnoff in our hands. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, I do know what you're talking about, and that's the whole thing. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. Of course, everyone knows Casillero del Diablo, the official wine partner of Manchester United. They say he is a legend. So, Ed, before we talk about the painful embarrassment that is Manchester United's international commercial identity, something a lot more enjoyable we beat Liverpool 2-1, the exact scoreline predicted by both you and I, and for a second it looked like I got both United's goal scorers right as well. But yes, for a short second, uh, when uh, Patrice thought he'd scored, only for Nemanja Vidic's face to take it away from him. Outrageous stuff. Uh, yep, correct scoreline, United 2, Dippers 1. Very nice scoreline. Not the greatest performance, at least not in the second half. Anyway, I mean, I thought United were very, very fluid for about 45 minutes and then it all went to pieces, which brings me to an observation I had during United's match against West Ham. What is going on at halftime? I mean, talk about two games of two halves. I think United might have been having some irresponsible drinking in the dressing room. Yeah, potentially so. I mean, actually, I don't think that United were poor for the whole second half against Liverpool. I thought it was really from 60 minutes on. It was when that, that it really started to go. Although, you know, Rodgers takes some credit for getting his tactical change right, bringing in Sturridge, made it a very different proposition. And had one sort of maybe slightly controversial observation on this game. I don't know if it'd be controversial or not, but it was just that uh, I think we saw the absolute best of Michael Carrick. And also we saw some of why he's not as universally beloved as a player of his incredible ability and incredible contribution to United should be. Because he was incredible in the first half. It was a Rolls-Royce performance from Carrick in the first half. But in the second half, when the tough got going and the midfield started to get a bit overrun, he started to maybe get a little panicky, made a few bad decisions, and the the game started to get away from him in the way that it sometimes does. Right, well, the thing about Rolls-Royce is they always had a reputation for breaking down, not being that reliable. Right, there you go. I think you're right. He was absolutely fantastic in the first half, Carrick was. Just awesome. Put Gerard and Joe Allen to shame uh, with how good he completely controlled the United game. I mean, to be honest, it was really in the last 25 minutes that he got completely overrun. Uh, Liverpool changed their tactics, and and there's some irony in this, actually took a player out of midfield, uh, evened it up in midfield, but uh, went at United. And I think we've actually seen quite a few times, I think Gary Neville made this point in commentary in the game, when he said that the teams that attack United at Old Trafford get much more joy out of it. It's absolutely true. It opens the game up, but United kind of sat back, and it was interesting to see how much the team retrenched, especially during the last 15 minutes. And one of the reasons that Liverpool didn't get an equaliser was because a very, very poor performance indeed from Luis Suarez no United player fan member of staff youth team player official sponsorship partner would have been sad to see that happen but he he looked overawed by the occasion actually and it was quite pleasing to see and he has of course come out since and said that (laughs) Manchester United control the media in this country fitting right in right in he is isn't he ah the paranoia love it yeah 
United's new drinks partner is called Wahaha, and there was definitely a lot of ha 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 about Suarez. I actually thought he wasn't that bad. I mean, what what he was bad at is in the the kind of striking department. I know I'm sounding ridiculous here, but he ran the channels really well. He made options for Liverpool. He actually took defenders away from the centre, allowed Gerrard to make those third men run. I think that's the parlance these days. He, he ran from deep. That's what Robbo used to do. <laughs> he but, did. Yeah. No, it's got a special tag these days. Everything's got to have a special tag, hasn't it? I blame Jonathan Wilson. Running from deep works as a tag, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Wilson, you've got a lot to answer for. Yeah, I mean, not, not great in front of goal. And kind of the thing is with Suarez, he's, he's always not been great in front of the goal, except for this season. You wonder whether it's the exception that proves the rule. I don't know. He scored an awful lot of goals in Holland. I mean, I know that doesn't count, but you still have to kick the ball. It was that fat Brazilian who scored a lot of goals in Holland and came over to Newcastle or wherever it was. No, it was Middlesbrough, but there was another Brazilian who got a little... Newcastle, Middlesbrough, just just a wee club in the North East. There was another Brazilian who was known in his later years as a, as a larger gentleman who scored a lot of goals in Holland who turned out to be pretty all right as well, wasn't there? No, but okay. So Suarez was not not too good. I thought United in the first half was absolutely, totally, and utterly glorious. Having waxed lyrical about the wonder that was Van Persie's goal against West Ham, another absolute stunner from Van Persie. This time, not because of him necessarily. Interplay between Carrick Kagawa, Evra, cleverly leading to a lovely cross from Evra and a beautiful finish from Van Persie. But the build-up for that goal was an absolute Brazil 1970-style joy to behold. Well, except there was two gears. So, so Brazil 1970 was all in first gear, super slow, walking around. United, slow, slow, slow. And then bang, out came the pace and all the interchanges of passes. It was a fantastic goal, really fantastic. Not quite as good as Van Persie's at West Ham, no. but not far off it. Lovely, lovely piece of football and shame you know, he just didn't manage to put it together more often in the game or more, more often leading to a, a chance in the goal in the first half because I think Ferguson was right when he said United you know, should score three or four in that first half. Such was the dominance. Uh, certainly turned around in the second period though. But we shouldn't forget, look, in the end United won, held out even though Reds were on the back foot there for much of that second half. Talking about the Liverpool game, Danny Welbeck got man of the match from Gary Neville. Uh, it was very interesting. I wonder if this was part of the old berry Salford alliance or whether Gary Neville has the level of insight that he clearly has. And the people saying that Welbeck was rubbish are completely idiotic. I mean, you can't deny that it was frustrating in front of goal. In fact, in some ways, I felt like Van Persie and Welbeck got each other's chances. There's a few times when Welbeck had a, a good chance at a shot in the box and like Van Persie would have clearly buried it. But then there was the one where Van Persie had the flick between his legs behind his back, which he couldn't score. But Welbeck would have been absolutely nailed on to score that. Never would miss that in a million years. Well, right. I mean, he's always been frustrating for a goal. Uh, well, of course, not from Salford. He's from Longside. Oh, sorry. Very, very different beast altogether. At least a mile and a half across town there. It's the thing he desperately needs to add to his game. Because I, I don't think it was bad at all. I thought he, he did an awful lot of work for United in a position which isn't naturally his, really. He was the player coming deep, you know. He, he made the runs into the channels. He made space for other players. So... I didn't think he was man of the match. I'd have still given it to Carrick, even though he disappeared for the last half of the game. Well, last half hour of the game. But I thought Welbeck was really good, except for the finishing. I mean, he had one chance in the second half on his left foot, which he basically passed back to the kid. And he thought, if that was on Van Persie's left foot, nine times out of ten, that's going into the top corner. 
you know, and that's the difference, right? As a Welbeck's got lots and lots of attributes to be a really top class player, but top class forward that doesn't score, no, I don't know too many of those. No, but I mean, somebody somewhere, some journalist or something, someone who it made sense that I would listen to what they were saying, it was somebody talking sense, mentioned that final product is, tends to be the last thing that comes to an up-and-coming player. It's, you know, that the, the cutting edge is the last thing that players add to their game. And Welbeck's got all the attributes apart from that final ball but you'd have said the same about Cristiano you know in his first season for us and so I I definitely still hold out hope that his talent's going to blossom into what you saw I mean do you you know remember his debut the goal that he scored against Stoke there's talent there undoubtedly there's talent there is is he the kind of player who's going to score a lot of goals I I mean I can't see it at the moment but Gary Neville talks about uh, the summer that Ronaldo came back and uh, he'd spent the summer obviously training and got himself really fit and strong and and it was the summer he went from scoring you know eight goals a season to 20 and then went from 20 to 30 and 30 to 40 and maybe something will drop with Welbeck at some point and it's not that I'm saying he needs a the physical change because he, you know, he clearly he's an athlete he doesn't need that there's, but there's something that's got to change something has got to click that goes this is what I need to do in order to score more it's going to hold him back he's not going to get a place in the United side on a regular basis if he only scores 10 or 12 goals a season no, absolutely. I mean, the, the two things. One, I think it's very tactically fascinating that Ferguson ch- chose to go with Welbeck. And I think you could say that tactically, it definitely, definitely worked to have him on the pitch because it, it stretched the play. It m- made us so dangerous on the counter-attack and, and all that little interchangey stuff that Welbeck's so good at being a part of because he's been brought up in the Mühlenstein era and him and Cleverly and all that malarkey. So I think that it's tactically interesting, but then you sacrifice the cutting-edge finishing. And the second point is we've often said, and it's the generally accepted wisdom, that Van Persie being at the club is bad for Welbeck's development because it's going to hold back and limit the number of chances he gets to play. But if ever there's a player in world football that you would want to be a striker learning from, you have Hernandez and Van Persie at the club. If you can't learn about finishing under those circumstances, where are you going to ever learn about finishing? You know, it's 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 the perfect, potentially the perfect training ground. Right. Well, I mean, it depends whether, whether there's something to learn or whether it's just a basic flaw in his technique or, or something different. I mean, a lot of strikers talk about the instinct and the, the, the natural part. You know, I think we all know that's not true. Most of a skill is a learned skill. Some of it is an aptitude to do it, but I don't know whether he's got to work, go away and, and sit on the training ground for eight hours a day during the summer and just keep trying to finish. Uh, maybe that'll do it for him or, or maybe it'll never come. Yeah, it would be, it's fascinating to see and I, I still hold up hope and, and, and overall, I mean, maybe not man of the match, but certainly I, I, I was, it was a pleasing contribution overall from Danny. Kagawa again, like not not perfect performance by any means, but definitely there's something about to click somewhere. And it's really interesting to see that first half performance against Liverpool, which is very much the template for the club at the moment. Lots of interplay just in the hole, as it were. You know, lots of Kagawa cleverly, Evra, little passes. You know, all that kind of stuff, keeping the ball moving really quickly. And then against West Ham, much more functional, much more squad performance. I mean, it's got quite a lot of criticism. The United performance but it was fine I mean it was it was risky but it was okay but it was Giggs and it was much more parochial much slower although actually Giggs was wonderful in Man of the Match but it wasn't the same style of football at all two wingers both out of form which made it not work and so it's interesting to kind of see the two models of United at the moment in action in some ways 
Yes, well, it was a similar pattern against West Ham, I, I suppose, with United fluent in the first half and really not so fluent in the second half at all. Not helped by Wayne Rooney skying a penalty. No, we don't need to talk about this anymore. He definitely shouldn't be taking the penalties. That's not some, he didn't sign his contract, he tried to go to City, prejudice against Wayne Rooney. That's the fact that he's missed an absolutely unacceptable percentage of his penalties. Well, his, his average is 65%. I look back at the stats, the, the Premier League average over the last 10 years is about 80%. So he's, he's well down in terms of percentages. He's missed nine penalties in his career so far. It, it's not one of his skills, is it? Let's face it. No, absolutely. But one of his skills is uh, being in the right place at the right time. And he got our opener. Another really, really excellent goal. A sumptuous pass from uh, fit again, Anderson. And, you know, it's not a surprise that United weren't particularly fluent with Anderson coming back into the side. Nanny coming back into the side. Rooney coming back into the side. Bootner playing instead of Evra. Lindegaard instead of De Gea. It was very much a second string side and very much good enough to beat West Ham. Yeah, I mean, nice goal. Fine, fine pass from Anderson. That's uh, certainly one of his attributes, isn't it? Some cruel comments on Twitter, aren't there? Really cruel comments. You know, who who would suggest that he might get injured on 57 to 62 minutes? Don't know. Terrible. He didn't get injured, though, did he? He just came no. off to protect no, him. No. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see whether he hasn't got a bit of a twang to that hamstring. He looks in fantastic shape. I mean, really fantastic shape. I don't. I, I won't hear any like nonsense about him being overweight. It's he. You know, he's ripped at the moment. Anderson is. Yeah, the thing that gets ripped most often, of course, is his hamstring. <laughs> oh God, that's so harsh. I don't get it. I don't get the level of harsh. I, I, I'm so optimistic by nature. You know, that's the problem. I, although Nanny, oh, flipping heck, I'm slightly depressed about the whole concept of Nanny at the moment. I mean, you know, very harsh to judge on his one one return, and it's interesting to see him playing at all because I think we all thought he was going to be shipped out sooner rather than later, didn't mm. we? Shot windows open. In all seriousness, there's no way Ferguson would ship out a senior player in the, in the middle of the season. We'll see in the summer, though, because there's, there's still the contract issue underway. He, he believes he's a top star at United, and the club don't. And for the most part, the club's right, although I think in terms of natural talent, he's still the most talented winger United have got. Yeah, a player that appears to have completely forgotten that he's an incredible talent is Antonio Valencia, dropped against Liverpool, and, and rightly so, um, in terms of form at least, and we sacrificed, with played a very sort of fluid formation as a result of him not being there, and it, it worked fine, but then back against West Ham and, and all those bad habits that he's picked up, that complete lack of luster and purpose and pace and vigour and confidence, I mean, he, he, looks, he looks depressed, that's that. That's what it looks to me like, you know, I don't know anything about him. He needs to get himself a lady friend and a good drink of some responsible vodka. Well, maybe if that's not to his taste, he could book a holiday with Thomas Cook. That's the official travel partner. But then he could, of course, he needs to fly there. So obviously that's that's the official airline partner. You know who that is, Ed? Turkish Airlines. Correct. That's right. And, you know, if he's if he needs a little bit of a pick-me-up, well, I think we all know this one, the official savoury snack partner of Manchester United. Mr. Potato. <laughs> Mr. Potato. What a rip-off of Pringles that is. Their bloke that run that son runs Mr. He doesn't run Mr. Potato. He's the cartoon character on the packet of Mr. Potato. You, you don't think it's like the Colonel, you know, with KFC? He might be real. He might be. Mr. Potato is a bloke. But anyway, Mr. Potato is a red... No, clearly the song based on Mr. Potato is Mr. Potato, Mr. Potato. 
No one's ever seen him, but he's on United's wings, Mr. Potato. There's no way to talk about Anderson, disgraceful. If he doesn't fancy uh, the hard stuff, the official beer of Manchester United, do you know what that is, Ed? Singer? Yeah, that's correct. You see, it works, all this stuff. It, it is. It's been filtering into my brain, all this branding. We, we, we know the official timekeeper of Manchester United, of course. Ah, uh, yes. The big fat watches they all wear all the time, yeah. The, the hublot on the landscape, that is hublot. Hey, do we still have an official tyre partner? That was uh, Kumo Tyres, wasn't it? Official tyre partner? Was that, is, is that not right? I can't believe I've missed that one. We, we might have let that lapse. What am I going to do? I need some tyres. My favourite, unquestionably... The official noodles partner of Manchester United. Hot noodle. <laughs> no, it's the official noodles partner of Manchester United for Asia, Oceania and the Middle East. Mammy noodles, therefore, yeah. Awesome. Well, well look, if you're in Africa <laughs> and you really need some noodles <laughs> and you're a United fan, what do you do? You're going to have to buy some unofficial United noodles. That's disgraceful. Is that allowed? I don't think it is. Uh, when Giggsy gets his fan mail and he replies to it by typing out a letter and then printing it, he prints that out on the official office equipment partner of Manchester United. Do you know what someone should do? Uh, here's a challenge. If anyone fancies doing it, we'll cover it on rant for you, yeah? Your life can only be through official Manchester United sponsors. Everything you do has to be with a sponsor. So you've got to drive a Chevrolet, you've got to send all your parcels by DHL, you've got to have your Chevrolet insured by Aon. I mean, you're going to struggle a bit for the old food bit. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Mr Potato, that's it. Have we got any other food partners? Yeah, the official noodles partner of Manchester United, Mummy. We just so you're eating Pringles and pot noodle for a year. It's uh, it's interesting. You're going to get scurvy, but hey, you always drink away the pain. Not necessarily, because if you're in Japan, then you could drink the official juice drink partner of Manchester United for Japan, Kagome, their products. And now, of course, if you're in China and you fancy a can of pop, then oh wahahaha. Interestingly, the Sun ran with the story of Wilfred Zahar to sign for Manchester United today on their back page. Instead of W Zahar, we signed wahahaha. I'm almost 100% certain that that was a wiretapping incident gone wrong from the sun. <laughs> yeah, so someone hacked into a voicemail from Fergie, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe using either Airtel, the official commu- telecommunications partner of Manchester United in India, Sri Lanka, the Seychelles, Bangladesh, Chad, DR Congo, and that's Airtel Africa, the other one. Maybe they used Beeline, the official telecommunications partner of Manchester United in Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos. Baxel, the official telecommunications and broadcast partner of Manchester United for Azerbaijan. (laughs) That's just awesome. It's such a joke, our club. I mean, you know, all this is like quite funny and you could say it's good business or whatever, but it is so depressing that we have to do this. And the reason that we have to do this is because it's the only way we can stay viable. Like people, when I was making fun of it on Twitter, they were saying, you know, this is what pays Robin Van Persie and Wayne Rooney's salary. It's like, yeah, this is, I don't know how the numbers stack up, but the amount of money we make in like side partnership sponsorship versus the debt, servicing the debt. I mean, th- this is why we have to do all this stuff and make our club look completely ridiculous well completely cheap yeah but cheap i don't don't mean in absolute terms right it's uh, it's so it's soul destroying it's soul destroying that football has become this a vehicle for branding it used to be about football you know and this is entirely because of the business model thing is if and when the debt is ever paid off yeah they'll probably leverage again because that is the glazer business model but then they'll just pocket the profit if they don't yeah absolutely and anyway even if 
a new sustainable model is made it's not like then suddenly the debt burden is removed from the club the club's going to like stop doing all this are they they're just going to be like oh look more money well no I mean the thing is financial fair play regulations are coming into Europe and, and look like they'll be coming into the Premier League as well lock in the need to drive revenue it's uh, revenue becomes king and and all the clubs will need to do that and, and united the streets ahead well at least of domestic rivals in terms of of creating these global partnerships uh, obviously the spanish clubs have a significant broadcast rights uh, advantage about 60 million a year or so when you say the spanish clubs you mean two of them well the only ones that count yeah yeah and bayern uh, probably uh, the only club on the planet that drive a good chunk more sponsorship revenue than united but that's because of some really really hefty local deals united is globalized beyond all their peers i'm trying to say this succinctly and say it without without being too much on a soapbox because i i don't think this is the most important issue in the world but football was a sport that grew for the working people it was an outlet for community that served big industrial interests at no benefit to themselves and to have it kind of completely and utterly taken away to the extent that it's just a corporate machine and you can enjoy the quality of the football if you want it's quite sad and it is sort of fundamental corruption of the notion of of having this professional sport and I it does make me love it less you know i don't love watching the game any less but it the surrounding nonsense does reduce the amount of love i have in my heart for the whole world of football well i'm, I'm sure that sentiment is is echoed by many many people it's a lie but there's something of the corinthian spirit about the olympics earlier in the summer and people found that quite refreshing and remember the debate we had then now of course the olympics as a corporate entity is hugely sponsored and so are the leading athletes but actually many many of those athletes that are taking part got no sponsorship at all and basically did it for free and and gave up many of their wages uh, wages that actually earn from a job to to do this sport and uh, in the past week the england women's football players have been renegotiating their contract they were on sixteen thousand pounds a year central contracts for the the best english women's football players you know there isn't an england male football player that except earning that in a week probably in a day in fact the disparity is huge and and of course that drives the commercial machine and United is slightly different because there's also the clubs in hock to the banks as well and it's just changed beyond belief I, I've spent a very long time looking at some of this I haven't quite written a book I ever I always meant to write on uh, on exactly this really the history of globalisation of the sport and it, almost every club in England came out of a working men's club that's United you know railway working men's club or it was a community group or it was a church or it was a school and a few of the old ones were old boys networks from the posh scores and they all died out the body of football the soul of football was in its working class roots and the community as you say and uh, and none of that is true now and the debate we've had uh, across football in the last week about prices as well is is a an extension of the same argument. Richard Scudamore admitted during the week that they've lost a demographic. What he means there is people who do not earn a large amount of wages cannot go and see football anymore. Yeah, I can't. At least at the top level. Yeah. So a whole bunch of people now are reduced, if that's the right word, to, to watching football on the telly only, which changes the experience significantly. In fact, TV football is so expensive because the rights are, are, are so massive these days to, to make sure all the clubs who are, need to hit their revenue targets and pay the players are, are driving that, that cycle. So 
even TV is out of the reach of lots of demographics, and so there's internet piracy or down the pub or whatever it is, and it's completely changed the experience of football. You do wonder when it will eat itself, but there doesn't doesn't seem to be any end to the the drive for commercialization I, I, don't, I don't believe in the the pop actually i think english football's financial future in terms of driving revenue it looks good for at least 10 years the next contract and the one after i'm quite sure after that we'll see but in terms of the fan base watching it's completely changed on, on one hand you've got fc united and manchester trying to provide that actual spirit that we talked about and you know i i got a lot of time for it i don't know any so do i, I have a stalker on twitter oh yeah i saw that he, he keeps insulting me on twitter and he's been doing it for weeks mistakenly under the belief that uh, somehow i'm a glazer supporter uh, mate you couldn't be further from the truth uh, and i do own several shares in fc as well you know just because of the spirit of the thing i can't say i actually go and see fc but, but yeah very odd that one it is i mean you know that there's a there's a, a hardcore i mean uh, not being a manchester red is a huge thing i think when it comes to the discussion about fc united and manchester and, and united proper i think there's there's a it's a different experience and you know there's you know there's some pretty bitter ramifications of that and you know people falling out over it and stuff like that and I think you know I'm so distanced from that to me it's just like a ragtag bunch of blokes trying to blokes and women trying to build a new model based on something more idealistic and I'm sure the reality of it as with all these things is not actually that clean but then the, the flip side to all of this is that the quality of the game has improved to a ridiculous level, like the ridiculous level of quality and professionalism and technical ability and even a slightly humdrum United game is going to, you watch beautifully read the five gifts of the worst United game of the season, you're going to see at least five moments of absolute technical marvel that you wouldn't have seen 30 years ago. If Best was doing it, you, you probably would have seen it, you know. There was an interesting piece uh, the other day in the Daily Mail, which was picked on Stuart Downing, fairly, I'd say, and comparing him to some of the greats of the 70s that barely got a cap, I and mean, Stuart Downing's got like 40-odd caps, hasn't he? You know, this is a mediocre player in a mediocre team and frankly i don't buy into the the whole premier league's the best uh, out there but by a long way actually i think it's in danger of slipping behind italy and germany in terms of its overall quality and uh, you know the performance of chelsea and manchester city in the last, and, and this year's champions league tournament kind of says that and united last year and city last year you know the the, the overall quality of the premier league is not of its high which was 2007 to 2009 kind of period but you're right it's a very high quality product it's very entertaining it's way better than it was in the 80s in terms of technical standards i wouldn't say the english players are particularly any better but you know obviously there's there's loads of quality there and for United fans this season, it's very entertaining. It doesn't change the fact that it's way, way overpriced. And United, uh, on this road to commercialising as fast as possible, you've got to sprint to stay still. Yeah, uh, It's very sad, and there's no end to it coming. Absolutely. And if you want a taste of United's glory days, and to make an absolute nonsense of the idea that I just posited that the technical level has Im- improved, uh, check out Anton Alfie's latest uh, United Trinity video. It's absolutely beautiful. And watching George Best quite literally brought tears to my eyes so i've not been very well lately and so that might be partly why but i was i find it weirdly deeply moving to watch the three of them i've just been reading sam pilger's excellent ebook of the best manchester united 11 i think it's 3.99 on amazon well worth it and the chapter about dennis law just ends with one simple sentence where he says I do feel quite proud when I look at all of us together. It's him talking about the statue and you just, and it's such a moving thing that the three of them are all sort of associated with each other in that, in that way. So yeah, a bit of the glory days. 
But talking of the overall standard of the Premier League and Germany in particular overtaking the potentially overtaking the Premier League as the number two league in the world. Big Pep has taken his game to Munich. I mean, I quite like this, actually. You know, the thought that he'd go to the mercenary clubs of Chelsea or Manchester City kind of disturbed me. Yep. Given what Barcelona kind of stands for as a club owned by the fans and all of that. So I, I kind of like this. Me too. They're a very well-run club, Bayern. Obviously, they've been usurped a little bit in recent times by Borussia Dortmund's rise. But it, it's it's right. It's a good move. He'll win some trophies. He signed a three-year contract just in time to Fergie for Fergie to retire or be taken out in a box and uh, then he'll be off to United so or maybe not uh, interesting piece in uh, this month's Red Issue uh, I don't know whether you read it or not uh, positing that uh, they guessed correctly that uh, Guardiola was off to Bayern and given that it looks like Mourinho might plump for City eventually I know he said no many times but he's definitely out of rail in the, in the summer it might be that Moyes is United's best bet next summer 2014 when Fergie does one Brilliant piece by Giggs Boson on his website about that. I really enjoyed that. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't be sad if Moy's got the job, but I still want Olo to get it. But I know that's ridiculous. I wouldn't be sad, but there's there's a little part of me just feels he's not of the same quality, right? I don't know. I don't know how you know. I just don't know how you know. I know, but if if you say to me United, Real, Barcelona at the pinnacle of world football in terms of you know size of the club, whatever that means, Fergie, Mourinho, Guardiola are currently the sort of leading men. Moyes would be well, well down that list in the in the same kind of comparison, you know, because he's he's not achieved any of that. Of course, he's not had the same opportunity because he's been loyal to Everton. I'm quite sure that loyalty is one of the things that makes him a Fergie favourite. Whether he's the coach that could follow Ferguson, I don't know. I, I, you know, honestly, it's it's hard to it's hard to say. He doesn't have the the CV to say that he is. Uh, he might get his chance early if at this is not Carroll has his way. Because if we don't sign anyone in this transfer, January transfer window, should we sack Fergie and sell gigs? I think that might be a little comedy reference to the mid-2000s there. I, yeah, I don't know. The, the whole thing about Fergie's success, I just don't know how you know that someone can do it or not. Even Guardiola, I mean, I really kind of want to see him succeed at Munich. I don't know quite why, but I think it's just part of me really likes sporting excellence. I really like it when people are absolutely brilliant at things. So I kind of love the idea of Guardiola going off and proving that actually, not a fluke, it wasn't just because Barcelona had the most gifted collection of players potentially ever assembled by a club side, but it was actually because he's really quite special. And uh, right. I'd be yeah. very interested to see whether that's the case or not, and I don't, I don't think it's trivial to say whether that's the case or not. No, no, I, I think it's a perfectly fair question, but I also think it's very brave. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He he walked away from that collection of players and a really comparatively an easy job. Some people would say, you know, trying to coach that collection of players, but he he's been very brave. He's he's not just gone for the money, clearly, because he, he I'm sure he's been paid very well, but not as much as uh, City was thrown at him. Uh, he's taken on a real challenge because they they are not winning their own league. They are at the moment, though. Well, Bor- Borussia won the last couple of seasons. Yeah, but they're, they're miles ahead in the trophy. This, it's basically over, isn't sure. it, the Bundesliga? But this is not a club that, is, that has been miles ahead. They haven't won the European Cup for quite a long time now, you know? Semi-final last season. It's not at the same level as Barcelona, right? Nope. And, so, and it's not a project. So he's he's gone and done something interesting, you know? So I, I kind of hope he succeeds. I, I, I hope United thrash Bayern in the final of the Champions League next season. 
course. Um, it is interesting that people call, say, you know, draw attention to the idea that somehow it was an easy job for him to manage Barcelona. But, like, he aged 40 years in the time he was running that club. It's, all his hair fell out. You know, he, he looked like he didn't have a lot of hair to start with. But, you know, he was absolutely exhausted by it. And he always said, like, it's a, it's a completely exhausting job. He obviously did not find a single day of it easy. Well, this is true, right? I mean, the spotlight will be a little less at Bayern. It wouldn't be any less at United, that's for sure. Well, why is it why is it less at Bayern? I mean, Bayern, uh, any slight hiccup of a mistake, the whole German media turns on them, that, you know. Club Hollywood. No, I'm not sure the focus is quite the same. Anyway, while we're on things sort of Spanish, uh, Ronaldo says he'll see out his contract at Real Madrid. 2015, it runs to. Where, uh, by which time he'll be 29 and on a freebie. He's coming home, Paul. He's coming home. According to the media coverage of this story, he's going to see out his contract and then definitely sign for United in 2015. Definitely, definitely. I, I don't know. I mean, Miguel Delaney wrote a very interesting piece for ESPN's proper grown-up reporting about a grown-up subject on a grown-up website, which suggested very seriously, drew, compa- drew parallels between the saying that basically Ronaldo's people have let it be known that he's open to a return to United. He finished his piece with hash... And I love Christmas. <laughs> okay, they weren't Gasso Reds just killed me. We need to answer at Dom McDowell's question uh, for the week this week, which is whether I would prefer, after the last two weeks, well now three weeks of me falling apart on the rank cast, whether I'd prefer cremation or burial. I think cremation. But yeah, more specifically, it's ridiculous, right? It's not, it's just never going to happen, is it, Ed? No. W- one player who might be coming to United... Wilfred Zaha. Wahahaha himself. Wahaha Zaha. Could be some interesting songs on the terraces about that one. All the papers are saying it's nailed on for United. He'll be coming next summer. You know, they might have done a deal this winter. Uh, I don't think it's uh, it's been concluded, at least not at the time we're recording this. But seems that United are somewhere in the lead. Happy to blow Arsenal's bid out of the water. £12 million is the number being quoted. I mean, I've seen him a couple of times. Not very often. Not a huge follower of championship football I, I do watch the highlight show now and again he was very good when crystal palace played united last season young talented winger replacing nani i assume yeah lots of people asking loads and loads and loads of people asking us this week whether we think he's united quality i feel incredibly ill-equipped to answer that question I've seen him a few times, looks like he's got loads of pace, great feet, very right-sided, hard to say whether he's of, you know, United quality in terms of a player who could take United to Champions League finals and, and all of that. Hard to say, but I think the fact that Wenger wanted him and Ferguson wanted him puts a stamp of approval on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it does look like it's happening, but who knows? Mind you, Ferguson did sign Bebe and given the collection of some absolute shockers that Wenger signed over the years, you know. Yeah, that's true. Scored on his Rio Avenue debut. Hashtag standard. Uh, Right, we've had a few Twitter questions. Let's get them in quickly because we're running out of time. At NRD Brennan, uh, who got his question really early, which I think is a very interesting one. When do you think that Fergie ascended from great manager to unsackable institution? Is it a particular result or trophy or moment? I think that's a fascinating question. So I actually think it's happened a couple of times. It's one of the really unique things about Ferguson. I think the double-double... 96. Well, the double surely sealed it, didn't it? The double-double definitely sealed it. But then, by the mid-2000s, the shimmer of that had finally started to wane. I think you could argue he was still an unsackable institution, but another season or two of Jemba Jemba and Liam Miller, and it wouldn't have worked. You know, he wasn't unsackable at the height of the Cornwall thing. Yeah, they they were basically, without saying, sack Fergie, saying sack Fergie. And, I mean, 
this really cynical argument is he became an unsackable institution when he gave his backing to the new owners and and I mean there's you know first of all let's let's put the lovely gloss on it and football wise the, that winning the league that double the double double it was ridiculous you know the, there was no way he was going to be sat after dragging the club from where it was to, to there but then you know after 99 after the after 2002 or whatever it was as you say the call more time then unfortunately it's a slightly more cynical thing I think and then of course he built another great side to put a lovely gilted edge on that cynical core it's the current side, not one of his great sides, uh, certainly doing very well in attacking, an attacking sense. Uh, game at Spurs on Saturday, now this is a tough one, I think. Spurs seem to be pulling it together under AVB with his unfeasibly ginger beard. It's nuclear. I, I wonder whether he's born somewhere near Chernobyl, you know. He's, remember when Chernobyl happened, they all said there'd be like, you know, two-headed fish and, and short men with ridiculously ginger beards. Yeah, I remember that. Definite scientific news coverage that definitely happened. Yeah, of course, but in in all seriousness, Spurs doing very well, you know, they they look like a, a fine side at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. At Liz Worsley says, with most people back in action, Bar Young, what's your preferred lineup in midfield and attack for Sunday? And I have absolutely no idea, but I think it's gonna be narrower rather than wider if you look at our form players. Yeah, interesting one, this one. I mean, I, I assume the, the back five almost picks itself, you know, De Gea, Raphael, Evans if he's fit, plus one of Vidic or Ferdinand. Well, and Evra definitely plays, and then Carrick and Cleverley would be my two in central midfield, and then Rooney and Van Persie, and the two, the two others, I'm not sure. I mean, I assume uh, Young is not fit, so it, it's going to be then two of Valencia, Kagawa, and Nani. Yeah, absolutely. Or Welbeck or Hernandez thrown into the mix with Rooney and and Van Persie being so flexible. You know, I think that there are a lot of choices there. And and I'd like to see, I would sort of like to see some sort of Kagawa behind Rooney and Van Persie type situation. But I don't quite know how you, you make all the pieces fit can't see that it, it would end up with Kagawa in in a much deeper central midfield role and that doesn't really suit him as as does the, the left wing role it's, it's not his best he, he can't dictate play which is the role he took at Borussia Dortmund that brought him to United you know number 10 and, and he's really not played that role for United much at all I do agree, although he did play quite well coming in from the left against Liverpool. It was very fluid. Yeah, yeah, he played quite well, but he didn't dictate the game, you know. this. Why buy a number 10 if you're going to stick him on the wing? He can do it. Doesn't mean he's going to perform to his best, you know. We're talking about a player that many people thought would become a world star. He's not going to do it playing from the left wing. No, I, and I don't disagree with, with what you're saying at all. You're absolutely right, but it's still a tactical option for Ferguson, who, let's face it, loves a tactical option or two. The old Tom Bowler. Hey, you know, Red Issue have started calling it the Tom Bowler. I'm pretty sure we patented that one. No! <laughs> Oh, talking of things we've patented, Galuminati showed up in an article on Yahoo. Very good. Do you know what? We should have a list on rant of memes that have been invented yeah. here at Rant. ORVP, that's gone properly into the wild, that has. Galuminati, also gone into the wild. The G-bomb didn't really take off in the same way. The G-bomb's like a little niche. We had a slightly smaller listener following. Like, yeah, exactly. That's the, the, the really cool kids call him the G-bomb. He definitely won't be featuring for United against Tottenham, though, who have, as you say, started to really get it together and they've got a lot of interesting, exciting attacking talent at Spurs. Pretty solid at the back. I, I, I mean, I haven't seen a huge amount of them this season, I have to say, but uh, they're, definitely, they're definitely a side that can do us a lot of damage at home, aren't they? 
Most certainly, most certainly, yeah. I mean, obviously, they don't have Adebayor, so their their striking options are a little limited, uh, but they've got plenty of attacking talent. To go back to the previous conversation, of course, uh, Rant's always been a place that had nicknames. Remember Old Easter Island Head? An absolute classic. I was always sad that New Easter Island Head didn't take off for Gabriel Obertan, though. Yeah, well, he wasn't around long enough for that to fit, yeah. Anyway, back to Spurs. Tough one, really tough one for United. I'm, I'm sure that Fergie would take a point from it. This is a tester, right? So thinking back, it doesn't half scare me when I think about this. Thinking about how negative United was at City uh, Eastlands last April, right? And thinking about the change this season in attacking sense. At the back of my head, I keep thinking, he's going he's gonna to chicken out one day. One day he's going to chicken out. One day we're going to have a really tough, tough game and he's going to play like six in midfield. And, you know, and it hasn't happened yet. I mean, the Real Madrid game's coming around the corner and maybe it'll happen then because, you know, I remember the last two times United was playing at the Bernabeu and, and we've been super negative both times and it's, it's not really worked out for us. Well, it's not worked out for us. So I keep thinking this is going to happen. If there was a game in a lead-up to that Real Madrid match that Ferguson would also do that, I think it's this game at Spurs, you know. It's, it is a real tough game. Will he go a bit negative? I can't see it because he's got to play Rooney and Van Persie, hasn't he? Yeah, he didn't do it at the Eastlands, did he? He just decided, oh, what the hell? Might as well go for it. Get an order. Might as well have a laugh. You know, that seems to be the general gist of it. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's got he's gone demob happy, you know. He knows he's quitting in the summer. He's going to go out in a blaze of glory. At Happy Hero, it says, would you have Nanny and Giggs in your first team against Tottenham? And I definitely wouldn't have Nanny in. I wouldn't start with Giggs either. I mean, I, I know he was fine against West Ham as as well as he, he was over the Christmas period. You know, he's definitely having a renaissance, but I wouldn't start either of them. It's, it's nice that starting Giggs doesn't sound like terrifying and the worst thing in the world anymore. Well, you know, he gave the ball away quite a few times against West Ham. That's what he does when he plays in, in midfield. But, but you know, a wonderful run to, to win the penalty. Yeah, and, and just all round, like, create a bunch of chances. Like, it, it's the it's the thing that you've always... We can always tolerate Giggs giving the ball away if it's magical end products there. And there's just a right. big old period of time where it was just the giving a ball away bit and not the magical end product. But, the, you know, the last month and a half has seen the magical end... Well, month has seen the magical end product back. But yeah, I, I wouldn't start him, and I definitely wouldn't start Nanny. I'm I'm not a Nanny hater by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know how you start him in this in this game. I don't know what he's shown that he should be starting in this game. A very interesting conversation on Twitter I had with uh, someone whose tweets I, I quite enjoy, a chap called At Talk of the Crowd, who is Nanny's massively important to United when he plays, and that he he constantly drags people out of position, closes off passes, stretches the play, pressurises weak points, makes a huge amount of difference that you might not see. But I think all that is vital and incredibly important. But if what you do is make attacks break down, shoot when you should pass, pass when you should shoot, you know, make poor decisions in that final crucial moment, then that really genuinely offsets all the wonderful work you do. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I don't agree with that whole list of wonderful work. I, I think what he does is put up the numbers, right? He scores goals, he creates goals. Uh, that's the two biggest things with Nani. Uh, he makes the wrong decision so often, but his talent is huge. I think it's. I think he is the most talented wide player that United got. And haven't actually got very many options at the moment, but he doesn't always apply, and that's why he's in the position he's in. But no, I wouldn't start him. It's a, it's a really tough one because that does mean you end up starting Valencia, who's not playing very well, but he does give you that kind of defensive discipline which Ferguson likes especially in these big games you know which would probably leave Kagawa starting from the left there's a there's in these big games it's always a surprise in there I wonder whether we'll get one of those two 
Anyway, I suppose we're getting near the end of a long show with a huge section on against modern football. <laughs> I think we should have a, a section each week called against modern football because, you know, there's so much to talk about. But uh, one more thing we need to do before we go is predict the score this week. Yeah, I am going to go for a... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go for a two-all draw. Oof. Well, I suppose that's, that's not a bad shout. There's definitely going to be goals. I'm going to go for a clean sheet. No, I'm not. I'm going to say it's going to be 4-2 to United. A classic. It's a classic. That's what it's going to be. Absolutely. This is this is why we're so good at predictions, because we go for statistically likely to occur scorelines. Actually, against Tottenham and Man United, it's probably not that statistically unlikely, is it's it? Good shout. Get your money on that, folks. Absolutely. And if you win a load of money from doing that you can hit us up at unitedrand.co.uk slash donate if you want to talk to us in between now and next week's show and get me as long as I'm still ticking on this mortal coil at UTD Rantcast you can get Ed at United Rant uh, these are both on Twitter the show page on unitedrant.co.uk where there's also a fine amount of coverage of Manchester United facebook.com slash United Rant and of course you can leave us a review on iTunes which always helps us out a lot thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week And since we're playing Tottenham Hotspur and we've talked quite a lot this week, 